Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. If you've got your Bibles, you're ready to read, or you want to follow along on the screen, say, let's go. <laughs> Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. He sat down, and his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we thank you for this word that is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces through my thick skin. And it gets to the core, the root of me. And Father, may this word pierce me so deep that it moves me to change, that I have now made room in my heart for this. I prepared my heart for this. I've opened my mind and my ears and my heart to, to hear from you today, to be challenged, to be encouraged, to be corrected, to be equipped. And so Father, would you train us today, equip us today, Speak to you, speak to us through the Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, worship team, for always doing an excellent job and leading us. We are continuing now our series in the Beatitudes where um, it's actually a series on the Sermon on the Mount, but it feels like a Beatitude series because we haven't got out of there yet. We're still six weeks in to the first 11 verses of Matthew chapter 5. And um, uh, good news is, is uh, if you're ready to get out of the Beatitudes, next week we will end uh, those Beatitudes. And so um, if you're looking forward to that, then uh, be here next week. We're going to end it with persecution. And that's a great way uh, to end the blessings of the Lord. You know, these Beatitudes are talking about blessings. And it's not uh, earthly blessings like we might think. Um, it's spiritual blessings. And, and Jesus is teaching these people the blessings of the kingdom of heaven and what it means to be blessed by God. And, um, and they're just not in a random order. We talked about this a little bit last week of how uh, Jesus didn't just randomly teach these. He actually, they build off of each other. And, uh, and so we see that as we first take these and, and, and we mourn and we are, are, are poor in spirit and we're meek, that's just the emptying a humbling of ourselves. We're just emptying ourselves before the Lord so that He can then fill us up. And, and so we hunger and thirst for the right things. And that's the righteousness of God and His ways. And, and then we'll be filled up with the righteousness of God and, and all that He says about us and what He has for us. And then uh, we can then live out the life full of what God has for our life. And that's when we're on that part now. Or what does it look like after we've uh, mourned and been poor in spirit and been meek? And how, how, what does it look like?
look like now for us to live out the life that God has? And so we've been looking at, um, last week we looked at uh, the sixth one of that, and that's, that was talking about being pure in heart. Uh, we talked about being merciful, being pure in heart, and today we're going to talk about the seventh one, and that is blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. And this is the seventh one, and so in Jewish custom, uh, when you are listing something and you get to number seven, it means something. It's very significant if you're listing out things and there's a number seven. Seven is the number of completion in Jewish culture. And so uh, this right here is a very important beatitude. Now, all of them obviously are important, but, but Jesus is letting them know that there is a completion, a wholeness that can happen with this one right here. So I would encourage us to, to really lean in on this. And, and so uh, we're going to focus in on verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And so what I would like to do is take that word, that compound word, and let's, let's tackle the first part, peace, before we talk about making peace. Because I, I would venture to say that you gotta have peace before you can make peace, that you gotta have something before you can give something, right? If you wanna make the ingredients of your favorite dish, you gotta have the ingredients, right? And so uh, let's talk about having peace before making peace, and so we'll start by doing that. But I would love to just talk around the subject of the missing peace, the missing peace. Peace, because how many of you would say today, if you're being honest, there's some peace missing, maybe in your life, maybe in this world, uh, and, and it's easy to say that people are searching for peace. They're looking for peace. We're, we're searching it out, trying to find peace in things. And now when we think about peace, maybe for you, you think about um, the absence of something, or you think about the absence of someone. And that brings peace in your life. You know, if, if, I, if, my, if my in-laws just weren't around for the holidays, then it would be peaceful, right? Or if that person didn't show up, it would be peaceful. Or maybe for you, you're like, well, if I can just get away from work, it'll be peaceful. If I can just get to the weekend, it'll be peaceful. I want to go on vacation. You know, you're just thinking about peace is found in the absence of something. But I would just venture to say today and maybe try to even persuade you that peace isn't found in the absence of something. Peace is found in the presence of something. That it's not about removing things, it's about adding things to your life. That you don't have to empty yourself of, of worry and doubt and all these external things to find peace, but that you can have peace in the middle of it all. That's a true biblical peace. And so uh, it's not about the absence of my problems, it's about being filled with something else. Because if we're just focusing on, you know, uh, removing things or the absence of things or staying away from certain things or certain people, that's not peace. That's um, escapism. That's avoidance. You're just trying to escape certain people and avoid certain people in order to get peace. But maybe you've tasted peace that way, but it's just temporary. Uh, it's not lasting. Uh, that vacation eventually comes to an end, right? The, the weekend is eventually over. Uh, the holidays roll back around, and that person's right back there again. Uh, and so your, your marriage is going to have conflict. Your kids are going to disobey. It's always going to happen. And so we have to learn uh, that peace is not external. Peace is not found in our situation or our circumstances. Rather, true peace comes from within. And we're going to discover what that looks like, uh, that biblical peace is not being emptied. Biblical peace is being filled. And we're going to discover what that looks like, because if we're going to be a peacemaker, then we must be filled with this peace. We must have this peace before we can make 
peace. And so how do I get that? What, how do I get this peace that we're talking about? Well, I want to I wanna park on one passage of Scripture, and then we'll jump from it. Uh, and it's found in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, it'll be our launching pad today uh, to find this peace. Philippians 4 verses 6 through 7 tells us, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so we see from this passage and many others that the peace that the world's looking for, the peace that we've been searching for, is not found on holiday. It's not found on, with my toes in the sand. It's not found with removing people from my life. That peace is the peace of God. The missing peace so often in our life is God's peace. And so we get to discover from this verse what that looks like. And we see some, some benefits, some attributes of the peace of God. It says that it guards your heart and your mind. That's your inner self, your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit. It's inner self. And so the peace of God comes and fills that inner part, the inner self of you. And it, and it guards you. It keeps all these external things from getting in. And so when you have peace in your heart, peace in your mind, peace in your spirit, it then sets up a guard. The peace of God will then guard you so that when your circumstances change, and how many of you know circumstances change, then it doesn't affect my peace. Because my, fee, my peace is not found in people, how they act, how they treat me, or an environment that I walk into. We're not, we're not called to be thermometers where we just adjust to the temperature of the room. We're called to be thermostats where we set the temperature of the room. It doesn't matter what's going on. I can bring that peace and if I want to be a peacemaker, I better be able to bring peace into a peaceless situation. And so we see that it is found, the peace of God is found on the inside where it surpasses all of our understanding. It doesn't make sense to have peace in the middle of a storm. It doesn't make sense for, for Miss Dana to have peace and to trust God and, and not to get angry at God and turn from God, but to say, God, here I am. What is it that you want to do in me and through me? She had this peace that surpassed all of our understanding, and it's the peace of God. And we, we see that that biblical peace is not dependent upon external things, but it's on the internal. It's on the inside. And if we would just take a quick evaluation and, and look on the inside, what's going on, at our, on in our heart, in our spirit, in our mind, you might say, Michael, I don't have peace. I got problems. Like, what's going on on the inside of me is not peace. It's it's a lot of issues. It's a lot of problems. And we get to see what to do with that. How, what do we do with the problems? What do we do with what's going on, on the inside of us? Well, back in our Philippians chapter 4 passage, in verse 6, when he tells us to not to be anxious, but in everything, pray and make supplication, give thanks, thanks to God, he says, let your request be made known to God. So how we first can so can you get rid of the internal problems and stress and anxiety and worries is let them be made known to God. Talk to God about this. This speaks of a relationship, that we have a relationship with the God who gives peace. And so if it's the peace of God that we need, then we need to be talking to him. We need to be going to him, not going to other people to try to find our peace, but going to God, letting our requests be made known to him. That means that there is a connection there. There is a relationship there. I think it's important for us to establish before we can have the peace of God, 
We've got to have peace with God. That there has to be a connection with God. That you can have peace with God. That because of the work of the cross, because of the sacrifice that Jesus paid, because he was buried and three days later rose again, the Bible tells us that we now can have peace with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so peacemakers are at peace with God. There's nothing dividing us between us and God. There's nothing that's separating us. We receive that love and that mercy, and we have a connection with him. You can come to him about everything. Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus made the way for us to have peace. He is the only way to have peace with God. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love. We have access to him. 1 Peter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. Jesus is bringing us to God. And I think it's just really important for us to establish our connection, our relationship with God. Before we, we try to seek things from God and receive things from him, do you know him? Before we're coming with our hand out or our hands up and, and praising our God and do we know him? Are we thanking him for his goodness? Are we celebrating all that he's done in our life? Are we surrendering to him and he is our Lord? You know, you might know him as Savior, like he saved you from your sins, but do you bow before him as Lord, that he is my everything? We must first, before we come looking for the peace of God, we must have peace with God, and we must have this relationship with him. And maybe for you, if, if you're not at peace with God, maybe because of your past, maybe because you've believed in the lies of the enemy, maybe for you, you would say, I don't have peace with God. I, matter of fact, I got a problem with that guy. Because he, he allowed this to happen. And he allowed that to happen. And he must be punishing me because of my actions. Why else would this have happened in my life if this was not the judgment of God, if this was not the punishment of God? I don't think God wants to have a connection and peace with me. I think he's mad at me. Can I tell you today, if that's you, and you think God is mad at you, can I just encourage you that God is not mad at you, but madly in love with you? So much so that he gave up his son, Jesus, for you. That this isn't just something Christians talk about, that this is truth. That yes, that happened in your life. And yes, people wronged you. And yes, tragedy struck your, struck your life. Can I encourage you that God might not have caused that, but he can use that. That God didn't cause Dana's kidneys to shut down, but he can use that for his honor and for his glory. And that if you would just present it to him and say, Father, I don't know why this happened to me. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why everything is coming against me. But God, I'm going to say that for your glory and for your honor, I give it to you. I give it to you, Father. And I'm going to have that but God moment. That when people say there's no way, I can say but God. And so you must have peace with God first. And then as we progress in this and, and now we're having peace with God, now we get to receive the peace of God as we look back in Philippians chapter four and we pick up in verse seven, now that we've had peace with God and talked to God, it says then, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Now that I have peace with God, 
Peacemakers now have the peace of God, that you now have what you need. And you might be saying, well, I thought peace was external. I thought peace was the absence of certain people. What is the peace of God? Well, biblically speaking, biblical peace is found in the Old Testament by using the word shalom, shalom. And shalom means wholeness, completion, being filled with an inner rest. It's a broad term when you talk about peace. It's about talking about making somebody whole. There's a piece of the pie that's missing. There's an area of your life that's broken. There's a void in your heart. And when the peace of God comes in, it makes you whole. It makes you complete. That's my testimony of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because when I, before I gave my life to Jesus, the only way I could describe my life was that it was broken, that I wasn't whole, that there was a hole in my heart. And I was doing everything I could to fill that void. And then I would finally realize that I was trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Nothing was fitting. But when the peace of God came in my life, when I surrendered all to him, he filled me. He completed me. He made shalom. He made perfect peace. That's what we see in the Old Testament. And then as the New Testament is written in Greek, the writers would have that Hebrew word shalom in their mind as they would begin to write the Greek word. And the Greek word that we see in the New Testament for, for peace is irena, irena. And it means to join together in wholeness. Join together in wholeness. And it comes from that word shalom. So the peace of God is, is bringing wholeness. It's bringing fulfillment. It's bringing completion to a person's soul. Here's what I know. You'll never be whole without the peace of God. You'll never be whole without God's peace in your life. You'll never be complete without the peace of God in your life. You'll always be searching for more, hungry for more. You'll never be satisfied because you're filling up with things that are not of God, and you'll, it'll never quench your thirst. You'll always feel like there's got to be more out there. There's got to be something that will complete me, something that will give me purpose, something that will help me understand why I was created, and it's the peace of God. It is the missing peace in so many of our lives, the peace of God. We will always be searching. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the money. It doesn't matter the friends. It doesn't matter the status. If we're missing the peace of God, we'll never be complete. And we see that because of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God, but we also get the peace of God, that it's just God's gift to his children. It's a free gift. That means that we can have it. We can possess it in this kingdom of heaven, like we've been talking about, Jesus is preaching the kingdom of heaven. That's why he sat down on the side of a mountain. He's letting them know that this kingdom, this new way, God's way is here, and you can have peace. You see, when the world around us is going crazy, when the world around us is in chaos, when it seems like everything is being shaken and it's sinking sand, when they, they don't know what's up from down, left from right, truth, they don't, they don't know what's right from wrong. You can still have peace. You can have peace in the middle of everything. And as we look back lastly in Philippians chapter 4, it tells us how we can find this peace. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. It will guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus. So the peace of God is found in Christ Jesus. The good news today, 
It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. He makes peace with God, and he gives us the peace of God. And so maybe you're saying, well, okay, I understand that. Jesus came. He ushered in the kingdom of heaven, but, but Jesus left. After he resurrected, he went back to heaven. Peace left the earth. That's what the disciples were thinking as well. They were thinking, my king, my ruler, he has left the earth. How do we, how do we operate with Jesus now sitting at the right hand of God back in heaven, talking to make an intercession for us? How, how do we have peace on earth now that Jesus is no longer walking the earth? Well, his disciples had the same questions, the same confusion. They were wondering as well. And Jesus clarifies it, and he lets us know in John chapter 14 how we can still have peace right now. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So what did he do? He left his peace. How did he leave his peace? He left it through his presence, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we've been given the gift of God's presence, that we've been given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is peace, that when, when, when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have shalom, we have wholeness, we are completed. And so that tells me that, that his peace, that his presence equals peace, that Jesus' presence in my life equals peace. And so when I have Jesus' presence, when I have the Holy Spirit in me, it doesn't matter what comes against me. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world around me. I've got Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I've got peace. It's all about being in God's presence. Now, if you're a parent, you have kiddos, and they get, they get scared at times. Maybe they saw something on TV or, or maybe they just got spooked by the dark or maybe they had a bad dream. You know how powerful it is just for mom and dad to be in the room, just for, for your presence to be beside them. For you, you don't even have to say anything. You just being there changes everything. And can I tell you, church, that when Jesus is in the room, everything changes. Fear, doubt, worry, it has to go because Jesus is in the room. And he lives in us. We have peace. And so we see this peace of God. It's available through Jesus Christ, surrendering to him, receiving that peace, walking in peace. The Bible says to clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. That means you got to go to the closet and put him on. That means that you don't wake up clothed in Jesus Christ, walking in the spirit. You got to crucify your flesh. You got to deny yourself. I must decrease that he might increase. And I intentionally put on Jesus Christ. I intentionally pick up the armor of God and put it on. And so we see that when we, we want the presence of God, when we want the peace of God, we have to choose. I'm not going to walk in the flesh. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. And once we're walking in the Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, we're operating in the kingdom of heaven, and we have his peace. So now, now that we have it, Matthew chapter 5 told us we got to make it. we got to give it. We've got to create peace. And so peacemakers share the peace of God. We share the peace of God. Looking back at Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemaker means you've got to make peace, means that there's an absence of peace, that the environment is not whole, the environment is not complete. 
And now that you've been filled with the peace of God, listen to me, peace of God is not a lake. It's not a reservoir. Isaiah describes the peace of God like a river. It's got to flow from you. And so often we try to just keep the peace. I, I, I'm in a good state. Let me just keep it. I don't want to, that's their problem. That's their issue. I, I just want to keep my peace. But can I tell you, there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. That there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. A peacekeeper would say, I, I just want to keep the peace. I don't want to upset the apple cart. I don't want the boat to be a rocket. I, I want to keep the peace, whatever we got to do to keep the peace. And so a lot, a lot of times peacekeepers will avoid conflict. They'll avoid confrontation just so they can keep the peace. They don't want to upset anybody. Peacekeepers oftentimes fall to the trap of, I would, I would rather please man than I would please God because I just want to keep the peace. I'm afraid of what's going to happen if the boat rocks too much. And so let's just keep the peace. And so peacemakers don't flee from conflict. They face that conflict. They, they're peace, uh, peace, I'm sorry, yeah, peacemakers, they face conflict. Peacekeepers, they flee. They're afraid. A lot of times, a peacekeeper, somebody who's just trying to not upset anybody, somebody who's just trying to keep the peace, oftentimes will operate out of a spirit of fear, that they're afraid of what will happen if the boat starts to shake. I'm afraid of what will happen if I face that person who wronged me. If I face that person who did something they shouldn't have done, if I, if I, if I go into an environment and try to create order, what's going to happen? How are people going to look at me? What are they going to think about me? And so you start worrying about others. You're easily intimidated by other people, and you're fearful. And so you fear man more than you fear God. Oftentimes, a, peace, a peacekeeper will, fear, God, will fear man and not God. And so we see that it's not easy to be a peacemaker to go into a situation where there is no peace, where there's chaos, confusion, and division, and create wholeness. But God's called us to go into those places and create wholeness and completion and let them know about the peace of God that can dwell in them. You see, the peace that God has for you, the peace that we now embody and we possess is a mighty spiritual weapon. That, the, that peacemaking is a mighty spiritual weapon. The peace of God is a spiritual weapon. Ephesians tells us about that. We often read over this part, talking about the armor of God. In Ephesians, though, Paul tells us, stand therefore, stand therefore. We see that over and over, stand, stand firm, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. In verse 15, and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The peace of God is a mighty spiritual weapon. And we need this peace because our battle that we're fighting is not flesh and blood. It's not, it's not humans versus humans. It's not flesh and bones versus flesh and bones. It's against principalities and powers and rulers of this dark age. It's spiritual that there are good spirits and bad spirits. There's the Holy Spirit and there's evil spirits. And Satan and his demons are, are working day and night, waging war against the people of God. It's a spiritual battle that we are in. And when we're equipped with the armor of God, we can stand firm. And the peace of God is vital to your spiritual battle that you're in. 
The peace of God is necessary to that. The, the Ephesians 6 calls it boots or shoes. The peace of God is the shoes that are made for your feet. They're fastened to your feet. Now, maybe you know a little bit about Roman soldiers and what their shoes look like when they were getting ready for battle. But the shoes that Paul is referring to that the first century readers would understand are not like any day everyday shoes. They're not even like boots or combat boots that the military wears. They're more like cleats. You see, a Roman soldier would take nails and spikes and drive them through the sole of his shoes to stick out the other side. And it was, they, were, they were long cleats. And these boots were, the top part were made of metal to protect his legs. And so it would be metal all the way down to leather that had metal spikes driven in it so that he could stand firm. So the fighter knew that the peace, that his shoes made all the difference on whether or not he could stand and fight. And so when they would engage in battle, they would put, they would put those shoes on and they would get their stance, dig their heels in, and that would help them fight. It's the same way in the spiritual battle that we all face every day, all the time, until Jesus comes back, is that if we're going to stand against the tactics of the enemy, if we're going to stand and fight, you've got to have peace. The first thing in battle, the first thing that the enemy comes for is your feet. If he can knock your legs out from under you, if he can get you off your feet and on your back, you're done for and when you are fighting spiritual warfare, the first thing that the enemy comes for is your peace. If he can just knock you off your feet, if he can get the wind out of your sails, if he can get you on your back, because not only did they use those spikes to stand firm, when, they got, when the enemy got knocked down, they used it to stomp on the enemy. And that the peace of God that you have in your life stomps on the enemy because he tries to throw this at you and that at you. And all of a sudden your kids are going astray. All of a sudden I got money issues. All of a sudden my marriage is messed up. All of a sudden people are sick around me. All of a sudden my loved one dies and the enemy is trying to rob you of the peace of God. He's trying to knock you off your feet. But if we would just learn to stand firm, if we would learn to dig in and have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, then I can stand firm and I can push and I can fight and the devil doesn't stand a chance against a church that operates in the peace of God. I don't care what the culture says. I don't care what the world's doing. I don't care that it's an election year, that the dollar's not worth anything, and that the economy's about to collapse. I've got the peace of God, and it surpasses anything that the world says. I've got the peace. Amen? I've got the peace of God. The shoes of peace are made for war. They're made for war. And so what that tells me is that I can live in peace and still be in war. That when I'm, when I, just because I'm at war doesn't mean that the enemy gets to rob me of my peace that I have. Because I, the enemy can't take what isn't his. The enemy can't take what I don't give him permission to take. And so often we open the door through worry, doubt, Ephesians tells us we give a foothold to the enemy. We just give a crack in the door and we allow that door to be open. And he takes, not what we didn't allow him to take, he takes that which we open the door and let him take. And the first thing, so often, he robs us of our peace. And we allow worry, fear, 
anxiety, doubt to come in. But we are called to have the peace of God, to let it guard us against that, to stand firm in the middle of battle, to engage in that, to push back because the world needs the missing peace. We are called to bring that peace to the darkness, to the chaos, to those who are far from him. And when we do that, when we create wholeness and completion in a world that is chaos, I love what that verse says. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. That, listen to me, when you bring peace into a situation, when you bring order into chaos, when you bring the peace of God and it brings wholeness and completion, they're calling you something. They identify you as children of God. Now, you might call yourself a Christian, but when's the last time somebody else noticed, identified you as a Christian? Based on your actions, you see what we bring into a situation reveals our identity. What you bring into a situation and what you do, oh, here comes trouble. Oh, here comes chaos. Oh, here comes the problem maker. Oh, here comes the one that's going to gossip. What you bring into a situation reveals your identity and what other people call you. And so I just would ask, what do people call you? What do they say about you? Do they declare that, oh my goodness, the children of God are here. They're going to bring restoration and wholeness and peace because we're bringing peace, we're peacemakers, we're, we're called children of God, we're called sons of God. That when we walk in peace, we're walking in the identity of our Father. That we've never been more like Christ than when we have the peace of God, when we're making peace, when we're walking in peace, we're embodying Him. If we wanna be Christ-like, if we wanna be like Jesus, then we've gotta be peacemakers. We've gotta bring peace into chaos, into disorder. We have to bring it and represent Jesus Christ. He is the peacemaker. That's God is called not only Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, but he's called Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace. And so we must remember our ability to bring peace into a place shows our identity, that we are so like Christ, so much like our Father, when we bring peace into a situation and we want to represent him well, we, we found our missing peace. We possess now the peace of God and now it's time for us to give it. And so where is God calling you to make peace? Maybe in your family, maybe at your job, maybe in your friends, maybe in your church. Where is God calling you to make peace, to create wholeness, to create inner rest inside. Where is it? Where is it that you need to share peace with other people? Who is it that God's put in your path that's hurting, that's broken, that is incomplete, that is void of the peace of God? And the only slice of the pie they're missing is that peace, and he's called you to bring that peace to them. Where is it? As we now move into a time of reflection, we're going to talk about those questions. We're going to bow our heads and we're going to close our eyes and we're going to reflect on God. What am I bringing into situations? God, what am I bringing to the table? Am I bringing peace or division? Am I bringing peace or chaos? Father, am I able to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy or 
God, is it peace that's missing? This call that's knocking me off my feet every time the enemy throws an arrow at me. Let's move now into a time where we have our heads bowed, our eyes closed, and we're just talking to God. We now have peace with God. He hears us. Let's talk to him and ask him, where is it that we need to show peace? As you're doing that, others in the room, if you're being real with yourself, you would say, I, I can't give something I don't have. And I can't share peace because I don't possess peace. And your next step today is for you to have peace with God. You heard in the scriptures that Jesus made it possible for you to be at peace with God. And in this room, as we are reflecting on what the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, he's speaking to you and he's wanting peace with you. He's wanting you to give your life to him. Throughout the scriptures, the word peace also means salvation. And God wants to bring salvation to your soul. That maybe in this room, if you're being real with yourself, you feel far from him. That line of communication has been broken. Maybe for you, you've never had that line of communication or maybe for you, it's been a long time. But in this place, you feel far from him. And today is the day that you wanna have peace with him. You wanna restore the connection and receive the peace of God. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day where you fully surrender over to Jesus. As others are praying and doing business with the Holy Spirit, your first order of business is to give your life to Jesus. That's why you're in the room today, is to surrender all to him. If that's you, in a moment, we move from a time of reflection to a time of response. And people all over this room will respond differently. Some will respond to the prayer team because they have, heal they have needs of healing, needs of restoration. They're believing God for a miracle. Others will respond to the altar and, and cry out to God. Others will give their life to him. They will surrender to him. If that's you today, I would love to start by praying with you. So in just a moment, I'm just gonna pray a prayer for all those who are giving their life to Christ. If you wanna be included in that prayer and today is your day, would you lift up your hands and say, that's me. Today, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Lift them up so I can see them. Today's your day. I'm surrendering to Christ. Secondly is this, if you could all stand to your feet, all over the house, we're gonna stand and worship. Today in the service, we've, we've worshiped God. We've heard a testimony of his healing power. We've been encouraged to empty ourselves and be full with the things of God. We've been encouraged to, to have the peace of God and to make peace with others. There's a lot for us to do. There's a lot of action that needs to take place on our part. I would encourage you of this one thing, don't leave missing what God came to give you. Now you came in this place to give God praise. We came in this place to give him everything. 
But for some of us in the room today, God wanted you here because he wanted to bring salvation. He wanted to bring healing. He wanted to give you his peace. He wanted to heal your body. He wanted to restore your marriage. He wanted to calm your mind. Don't leave without receiving all that God had for you. It starts with surrender. But this is my surrender, God. I give you everything. And so, Father, we right now position our hearts to receive from you, giving you everything, God, making room in this busyness, making room in this heart that's so filled with the things of this world. And God, we're surrendering to your way because it's always better. And so, Father, we thank you for those people who cried out to you today and gave their life to you. And thank you for salvation that's in the house. Thank you for healing that's in the house. And Father, before we go out to our mission field, we want to be filled up, fully equipped, trained, prepared and ready to face the fight. And so, Father, would you right now pour out on your children your presence, your healing, your restoration, all that they need, God, to be fully equipped to do what you've called them to do. And so, Father, we thank you for it. We love you and we worship you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, can we respond to the Lord as we worship?